wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes! 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 For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Stupid idiot. Shut your mouth, you thong-wearing fatty. Party's over, Grandpa. Kane was there! Kane was there too! Yeah! No enhancement needed. This ain't Monday Night Raw! This fight's right! It's Wrestle Rant Radio. What's going on, guys, and welcome to episode 301 of Wrestle Rant Radio for Thursday, August 29th, 2019. I am Graham Giusa Matthews. Hope you guys are doing well. I don't normally announce the number of episodes that we've done of Wrestle Rant Radio, but since last week was the big milestone, the 300th episode, I thought it was only appropriate to bring up that this is episode 301. Speaking of 300, um, on Wednesday we did the 300th episode, which... Again, I might have talked about this last week, and on hashtag, I definitely mentioned it somewhere, that it's weird how this kind of coincides, that this past Wednesday was the 300th episode of hashtag AskGSM as well, the weekly Q&A video I do over on my YouTube channel. For the first time in about two years since we did episode 200, we did a live stream on Wednesday afternoon, and it got completely out of hand. It was like two and a half hours long. It was a lot of fun, though, so I hope to do more live streams in the future on the YouTube channel. We're well past the 3,000 subscriber mark, which is awesome. We're well on our way to 3,500, which is cool. Um, So I'm hoping at some point to do another one. Maybe not just for hashtag, but maybe for the... I I wanted to do a 3,000 subscriber celebration special. So maybe we do one live for that, just an excuse to go live and just shoot the breeze about really anything and everything. Maybe we'll try one after a pay-per-view goes off the air, but I feel like everyone does that, so I don't really want to do that necessarily. We'll figure something out. I've always wanted to do for a while now, since we surpassed the 3,000 subscriber mark about a month or two ago. I wanted to do a live 3,000 celebration subscriber special, whatever. Um, So maybe we could do that at some point, just an excuse to go live and shoot the breeze about really, again, whatever. Uh, We'll figure that out, but... Still, maybe we'll do something like uh, a wrestling review during the week, or uh, I don't know. We'll figure it out at some point down the road. But that's on YouTube at youtube.com backslash C backslash Graham G.S. Matthews. You can find me on Twitter as well at uh, WrestleRant and on Facebook too at facebook.com backslash Graham.GSM.Matthews. As for WrestleRant Radio, we have new episodes go up every single Thursday on pretty much every podcast platform available. In addition to nextairwrestling.net, find us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Podbean. Like I said, we're on pretty much every podcast platform possible. So check us out there. Review the show. Rate the show. Subscribe to the show. Not only get every new episode on Thursdays, but also every archived episode dating back to the show's debut in October of 2013. So for today's show, let's get forward. Let's get moving here with today's show. Um, We'll get going here. With today's show, we're talking... All-out predictions for AEW's latest pay-per-view coming up on Saturday. We're going to be reviewing Raw. We're going to be reviewing SmackDown from Tuesday. And we're also going to be doing predictions because there are two shows on Saturday. Technically three, but I'm not watching the third one because I'm not a New Japan guy. They have some sort of special going on, I think, in England at Royal Albert Hall, if I'm not mistaken, on Saturday night, morning, afternoon, something like that. Um, But also on Saturday is WWE's NXT UK TakeOver Cardiff show. 
So we'll be talking all about that at the end of today's episode with preview picks and predictions for that pay-per-view. But let's kick it off, though, with AEW All Out this Saturday, live from Chicago, AEW's fourth pay-per-view, Double or Nothing delivered, Fighter Fest delivered, Fight for the Fallen delivered, and I'm sure All Out will be no different. This looks like an incredible show on paper. Um, as I look at the current card on Wikipedia, they have 10 matches lined up, and Double or Nothing ran long. That was a long show. Hopefully this show, like it ran until on the East Coast, maybe until midnight, maybe 11 p.m., but the show started early, so hopefully they don't go that long with this show. I mean, I know they have a lot of matches, but if they really want to be a true alternative to WWE, they will start when they say they'll start, and they'll end when they say they're going to end, and they don't go four hours. They don't go five hours. Like, if you want to do that for your annual big show, maybe All Out is their WrestleMania. I don't know. Then that's fine, but uh, otherwise, like some of the other pay-per-views, Fight for the Fallen, I want to say, went fucking long. Like, the show started at 8, didn't get done till close to, a, like, midnight. It was a really long show, so hopefully they can kind of tone back on that, um, on the length of these shows, keep them, maybe not on the shorter side, but, like, I'm not saying keep them brief at, like, two hours in length, but, you know, they don't all need to be four or, you know, even three hours, maybe even two and a half hours for some of these smaller shows would be best. But at any rate, All Out on Saturday should be spectacular. We'll kick it off with the pre-show matches, according to Wiki here. We have Private Party taking on Angelico and Jack Evans. I saw no mention of this match on Being the Elite. I know I saw it on social media. Maybe not on Being the Elite, though. This should be a great match. I love Private Party. Angelico and Jack Evans are also excellent. Uh, we saw them have a match back at Double or Nothing. They lost to Best Friends, uh, Trent Beretta and Chuck Taylor, Chucky e. T, whatever. Um, they lost there, so it would make sense for them to get their win back here. But then again, Private Party also lost in their AEW debut back, I want to say, at Fighter Fest in June in a three-way tag match, in a three-way tag team match. So I'm not exactly sure who goes over here. It could very well go either way. I'm a fan of both teams. Honestly, it's a win-win because both teams can really benefit from a victory here and kind of solidify their spot in AEW's loaded tag team division. But I'm going to go with Private Party. I like what I've been seeing from Private Party um, on the independent scene. I got to see them at a Northeast Wrestling show a few weeks ago, a few months ago, rather, back in the month of June. I think they faced one of the NEW's local tag teams. I want to say um, the Grayson Brothers and um, the Drake and Josh tag team. I forgot what their name is. Uh, uh, Insanely Rude. Insanely Rude is their tag team. And they're, they're from Northeast Wrestling, which is probably why you don't know them. Um, but they had a great showing on that night. They had a great showing back at Fighter Fest in June. I'm sure this will be, again, no different. So I'm looking forward to the match. I think Private Party will go over here. I think they have a lot more to gain than Angelico and Evans, who are great, but they're already established from their time in Lucha Underground. Maybe not as a tag team, but people already know who Angelico and Jack Evans are. Private Party, not so much. They have a lot to gain here. I think they win. Also in the pre-show, we have the 21-woman Casino Battle Royale. I'm surprised they're putting in this on the pre-show, to be honest with you. I know it's going to be a mishmash of women. They had the other Casino Battle Royal on the pre-show back at Double or Nothing with the men, uh, with the winner of that match gaining a shot at the AEW World Championship at All Out with uh, Adam Page winning that one. So I'm surprised this is on the pre-show just because we have another women's match on the main show, but it has zero build. It's a Rio versus Akuro Shida. Again, I'm probably not pronouncing that correctly at all, so I apologize um, but in the 21-woman Casino Battle Royale, we have a ton of women already announced. 11 other opponents to be determined or to be announced according to Wikipedia. But already announced, we have Big Swole, 
Sadie Gibbs, who I believe signed to AEW a while ago. Awesome Kong, Teal Piper, the daughter of Rowdy Roddy Piper, making her, I believe, professional wrestling debut here, in-ring debut for AEW, which is pretty cool. Jazz, yeah, the former NWA Women's Champion, WWE Women's Champion, going to be at All Out on Saturday in this Battle Royale. We also have Brandy Rhodes, uh, Eva Lee's from Lucha Underground, who I'm very happy is hopefully AEW bound. I was shocked that NXT did not pick her up. She is awesome. She, I know she tried out for them a few months ago, so apparently nothing came out of it because she's, you know, at all out on Saturday. But this should be a, uh, you know, should be a cool to see her on Saturday in this battle royale. We also have, I think I said Brandy Rhodes, Allie, Britt Baker, and Nyla Rose. So of the women so far announced, they could completely throw us for a curve, like completely throw us, you know, uh, what's the expression, you know, uh, something out of left field here, throw us for a curveball by having someone who has yet to be announced win the whole thing. I don't know who that would be. Um, it would have been cool to see like Tennille Dashwood debut and win the whole thing, but she's already an Impact. She actually went to Impact a few weeks ago, which was kind of, kind of took me by surprise, but, uh. Nonetheless, of the women already announced, I gotta go Britt Baker. I feel like they're positioning her to be the face of not only the AEW women's division, but just the female face of AEW in general. And I guess that's kind of the spot already reserved for Brandi Rhodes, but as the chief officer, or uh, branding officer, I think her exact title is for AEW, she is an in-ring competitor, but she shouldn't be like the first ever AEW Women's Champion. She shouldn't be a champion at all. I mean, Brandi Rhodes really just isn't that good whatsoever. Um, but I got Britt Baker going over here. I think Britt Baker is the closest thing they have to a, a, to a complete package in AEW. She's not the greatest women's wrestler in the world, not by a long shot. She wouldn't even be in like my top 10 or top 15. But in terms of her look, she's incredibly well-educated. She has a fucking DMD. She's a dentist, for God's sakes. So she, so she has that going for her, which is pretty cool. Again, she's got a good look. She is good in the ring. She's not great, but from what I've seen, she's good. She's come a long way from when I saw her get squashed on NXT, you know, many years ago. Even as early as, you know, uh, late 2018, early 2019, Shayna Baszler, uh, she was on NXT TV a while ago. But anyway, this should be a, a great breakout performance from her. And on the mic, she's pretty good, too. So I think she's the woman to build around right now, and hopefully she becomes the inaugural AEW Women's Champion. Um, I would say Awesome Kong, but she's well past her prime. It's great to see her in AEW. I popped big for her debut back at Double or Nothing in May, but it's pretty apparent she's worn down. She's just not what she used to be 10 years ago. Her body has really taken a toll on her, but... uh. Yeah, this should be a fun match nonetheless, and I think Britt Baker, like I said, is the one to emerge victorious here and receive a match for the AEW Women's World Championship on the October 2nd episode of AEW on TNT. So we get to the main card here. Again, no exact order of the matches, so we'll just kind of go all over the place. Starting with a six-man tag team action, Luchasaurus, Jungle Boy, and Marco Stunt taking on SoCal Uncensored's uh, Christopher Daniels, Frankie Kazarian, and Scorpio Sky. This should be a fun match. No real storyline reason for why the match is happening. If you watched Beam Elite on Monday, then you would know that it kind of came out of nowhere because Daniels was watching Jurassic Park and Kazarian had a dream about dinosaurs or maybe it was flipped and maybe Kazarian or maybe I think uh, Scorpio Sky was watching Jungle Book or something along those lines. Uh, that's how the match was made. No real creative reason behind the match. It's just a match. But it should be great. I'm actually a big fan of the Luchasaurus-Jungle Boy combo. Marco Stun, I get it. I guess it's a good role for him. I don't really see the worth in signing him 
to me, he kind of feels like a James Ellsworth-like signing for AEW in that you know he's not really going to go anywhere. He doesn't really have much of an upside unless he's associated with guys like Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy. So I think this is a good fit for him on the show in six-man tag team action. In six-man tag team action. It should be a fun match. I'm going to go... SoCal Uncensored, just because they are the regular trio. If they want to get over Luchasaurus, Jungle Boy, and Marco Stunt as a regular trio in AEW, I could see them winning here. But I just think SCU is the tried and true. Um, I'm not sure when the last time they won a match was. I think... I know... When were they last in action? Were they at Fight for the Fallen? I don't think they were. Because I know... I know Shima faced Daniels at... Fighter Fest, and Daniels lost. Um, SCU did win their match against Bravehearts um, at double or nothing. And then I know the Lucha Bros faced SCU at Fight for the Fallen, and I think they lost there too. So I think they're owed a victory. I mean, I guess so is Luchasaurus, Jungle Boy, and Marco Stunt. But because SCU has been teaming a lot longer, I know their chemistry is great. I'm a big fan of Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus as a tag team. Not so much as a trio with Marco Stunt. I think SCU is kind of kind of have to win here. Uh, it's not a must-win situation for them, but I feel like it only really makes sense because they have more experience, have better chemistry, and it just, again, they're the regular trio. They're owed a victory here. I mentioned Rio versus uh, Akuro Shida before. Um, Hakuro Shida. Again, I don't know how exactly you pronounce that, but this should be a good match, if only because I know what Rio is capable of after what we've seen from her on these AEW shows. She's really, really good. She has the endorsement from Kenny Omega, too, who worked with her in DDT, the Japanese wrestling promotion, a while ago. And I think they're actually teaming up on an upcoming DDT show if it hasn't already happened, maybe either you know, early on in September, or maybe not this weekend, because All Out's on Saturday. It's it's happening at some point in September, I believe, which is pretty cool. But, um, again, it's one of those matches where it really doesn't matter who wins, but just because I know Rio is established, and she's great, and she's probably the best woman they have on their roster in terms of in-ring ability, I gotta go Rio here. Um, Sheeta winning would be fine, I guess. I don't really know too much about her, but Rio, from what I've seen of her, is a star. She's awesome, so I'm gonna have her win here. I think she's gonna have. I think she's gonna be the one to go over. She's gonna be my pick. Also on the show, we have best friends Chuck Taylor and Trent Beretta taking on the Dark Orders, Evil Uno and Stu Grayson. This should be a fun match. So, the winners of this match receive a first round bye in the AEW World Tag Team Championship Tournament coming up on AEW on TNT in the fall in October, which I think the Tournament finals will wrap up on the third episode, I want to say, of AEW on TNT. I think they'll wrap up then. Um, of the two teams, I think the Dark Order is winning here. I'd be surprised that they lost. They've been pushed pretty hard in AEW up to this point. They won back. They didn't win a double or nothing. They debuted a double or nothing. Attack best friends. They have history there. Um, they won a triple threat tag team match, I believe, at Fighter Fest to earn the spot in this match. And then best friends won... Maybe they won a fighter fest. I don't exactly remember. I feel like I feel like Dark Order won in July at Fight for the Fall. And there's been a few shows now. I get confused. Um, I'm gonna go Dark Order though. I'm not a big fan of them. Quite honestly, I'm a bigger fan of Best Friends. I think they're great. They're really entertaining. They're great in the ring. Dark Order, they're good in the ring too. We know nothing about these guys though. I mean, they've showed up. They've cut a few promos on being the elite, but 
they just bore me to tears. They feel like a more boring version of sanity, which I feel like wasn't even possible. Sanity wasn't even all that exciting, and they're even more boring than them. So I think they're a good act. They're just not quite there yet. I don't think they win the whole tournament, nor should they. I think that'd be fucking ridiculous. Um, but I do think they win here just because apparently AEW is very high on the trio, or not trio, but the tag team, the stable, whatever. And uh, they'll go a little further in the tourney before getting knocked out. So I got Dark Order winning there. Also on the show, we have a Cracker Barrel, a Cracker Barrel Clash. That was a tongue twister. Cracker Barrel Clash. Say that three times fast. Cracker Barrel Clash. Jesus. Um, with Darby Allen, Joey Janela, and Jimmy Havoc facing off in three-way action, triple threat, what have you. Um, this should be a really fun match. Another match where I'm not certain who goes over, but it really doesn't matter. It's a win-win-win. For all three guys, as long as the other two guys look good in defeat, it really doesn't matter who wins. I'm going to say Darby Allen because he impressed me a lot in a few different matches. One against John Moxley at the Northeast Wrestling match I saw in person um, a few months ago in Waterbury. Then we saw him in action at Fighter Fest against Cody. He had a great match there. And then he had another really good showing in that tag team match at Fight for the Fallen. And I feel like his team lost there. Um, I think Darby Allen wins here. I really do. Joey Janela, Joey Janela, I don't think has won a match so far in, um, AEW. I think it was actually Havoc, Janela, and Allen as one team at the last show, which would make sense. So I feel like they lost, and then, I don't remember exactly who won that match at Fight for the Fallen, but, uh, yeah, I think Darby Allen wins here. Joey Janela is good. Jimmy Havoc, I'm not really sold on quite yet. I feel like he's a good wrestler, but we know nothing about the guy, so therefore I have zero reason to care about him. Um, I don't know what this means as a Cracker Barrel Clash. I don't know if that means no disqualification. I would assume it does. Maybe they'll use the Cracker, the literal Cracker Barrel as a weapon from ringside. I don't know. Um, but when the smoke clears, I do see Darby Allen emerging victorious and uh, maintaining momentum after all the great performances he's had so far in AEW and other promotions. I think he's actually still the current uh, Northeast Wrestling Heavyweight Champion, which is pretty cool. Um, he had a great match at the show I just went to about a week and a half ago. It was him and John Moxley, speaking of whom, uh, taking on Christian Casanova and JT Dunn in tag team action. Really good match. So, uh, yeah, I have Alan going over here. Elsewhere on this show, uh, we have a few more stacked matches. It's going to be a really good card. We have Cody versus Sean Spears, the former, um, Ty Dillinger from WWE. He turned heel on Cody back at Fighter Fest, blasting him with a chair shot to the skull, which I talked about here on the show at the time. I was not a fan of. I thought it was completely unnecessary. Um, but nonetheless, this uh, this should be a great match. I love the way they build this up on being the elite and in various sit-down interviews with Sean Spears and Cody. I think it's been great. Sean Spears will have Tully Blanchard in his corner, which is pretty cool. Um, I know Solomonster and a few other people were thinking maybe Arn Anderson gets involved. He's been kind of linked to AEW in recent months. Um, I don't know if he's, you know, contractually able to go to AEW just yet. I don't think he's officially been signed to them, although I do feel like he will be at some point very, very soon. Uh, Blanchard is well within his right to appear here. Um, he can and get, him, get himself involved, interfere, or whatever, appear on the show. I do feel like he will factor into the finish somehow, one way or another, and help Sean Spears win, as he should. I feel like Sean Spears needs this victory a lot more than Cody does. Now, a Cody versus Ty Dillinger match a year or two ago, I probably wouldn't really have cared too much about that, but they made me care about Sean Spears. I'm glad he's not just coasting on the whole 10 thing and, you know, doing that whole thing, but they turned him heel, 
And they gave him a manager, which I don't really know why it was necessary. To be quite honest with you, I like Tully Blanchard. It's cool to see him on the show in a prominent role in the show. But what's the link here? Why are they together? Why Tully Blanchard, you know? At least with a guy like, you know, Paul Ellering, who managed AOP for a few years before they uh, got rid of him on the main roster. At least with him, it made sense because AOP kind of reminded us of like a modern day LOD, Legion of Doom. Of course, they're the farthest thing from Legion of Doom, but um, in terms of like their build and just being a dominant, powerful tag team, it made sense. It It was a good pairing. They had good chemistry. Blanchard and Spears, we haven't seen anything of this alliance yet. Um, it's only really been playing out on the YouTube videos, Road to All Out, Being the Elite, so nothing on TV yet except for here. Um, I feel like Sean Spears has to win. Keep the feud going. It's been an entertaining feud. Bill Cody getting this big win over Sean Spears, his former friend, at some point down the road. But in the meantime, Sean Spears should be kept strong and uh, emerge victorious in this outing. Also on the show, we have Lucha Brothers taking on the Young Bucks. Uh, I believe it says here for the a, uh, AAA World Tag Team Championship. It's a ladder match, so it would make sense. I don't know if AEW has officially announced this as a AAA World Tag Team title match. I mean, it would only make sense. They've been feuding over the belts now for a few months. I think the championships were on the line back at Double or Nothing and in a few of their rematches in Mexico. Um, but yeah, they're having a ladder match on this show, which should be fucking awesome. I am kind of growing a little tired of the feud. They've had a number of matches dating back to May. It's time they wrap up the rivalry and go their separate ways for a little while. Um, and I'm not saying like, oh, like have the Lucha Brothers here and then the Young Bucks get their win back in the tournament. No, just have it be done here. I would have actually waited until the tourney finals to have these two teams go back at it. But if you want to go all out, no pun intended, on this show by giving them a ladder match stipulation... I guess that's fine, too. It should be fucking awesome, that's for sure. They're calling it Escalera, es- Escalera de la Muerte. I've been, I have been I took Spanish for like six or seven years in high school and middle school, and I still know, no, I, I still have no idea how to properly pronounce certain words in Spanish, but anyway. Basically, it means ladder to the death, because muerte, I know, is, is, is death. I do know that much still even though I haven't taken Spanish in uh, quite a long time. But anyway, this should be awesome. Lucha Brothers have to win here. I talked about how, oh, you know, Darby Allen, it's not a must-win situation, or it's not a must-win situation for Luchasaurus, SCU, whatever. It is for Lucha Brothers. I know they beat SCU on the last show, but they lost to the Young Bucks back at double or nothing, which I felt like was a mistake. They probably should have won there, but whatever. They lost again to the Elite at Fighter Fest. I think a a third loss would really do damage. So I feel like they kind of have to win here. I feel like they will win here and punch their ticket to um, hopefully the finals of the AEW World Tag Team Championship Tournament. Now, nothing of the sort is on the line here. Um, Nothing involved with that tourney is involved in this matchup. But I wouldn't be surprised to see the Lucha Brothers win this match, retain their AAA World Tag Team titles, and then go on to uh, either win the whole tournament or at least come close to becoming the inaugural AEW World Tag Team Champion. So, should be an awesome match, and I'm looking forward to it. Also on the show, and again, there's we have more matches to go here. We have 10 matches on this card, including the pre-show. Our top two matches, we have Pac versus Kenny Omega. It was supposed to be Kenny Omega versus John Moxley. But as we learned last Friday, a week out from the show, which is really unfortunate that John Moxley is injured. He has a return of his uh, MRSA, MRSA infection. I think that might be related to 
what he had back in WWE about a year or two ago. That's why he was out for so long before he returned about a year ago to Raw, right before SummerSlam. But I believe either he hurt his elbow again or the staph infection returned. Whatever the case might be, he had to pull out from All Out, which was incredibly unfortunate just because this entire show really has been built around him. Um, This whole match has been... You know, in the works now since Double or Nothing in May, when Moxley debuted, went right after Omega. They've been building up this feud ever since then. It was bound to be a great match. I'm sure we will obviously get the match at some point. I will say, though, although the match is not happening on Saturday, I feel like two things. One, the match might be a blessing in disguise. The fact that it didn't happen at All Out, which I'll get to in a second. And also, too, what was the second thing? Um, This might be just as good, if not better than Moxley and Omega in the ring. I really do. Because Moxley's great, and he's been killing it over New Japan on the indie scene since leaving WWE a few months ago. And he had that great match with Janela back at Fighter Fest in June. But still, I feel like he kind of... Moxley kind of had to win, and so did Omega. I feel like having Moxley lose so soon, and I mean, not his AEW debut, because his AEW debut was back in June, I kind of felt like Moxley had to win. And a lot of people were picking him to win. But then again, if Moxley won, that would be the second big notable loss to Omega in AEW after already losing to Chris Jericho back at Double or Nothing. So, um, again, I, I, I think it's honestly better that Moxley pulled out. I don't think Pac is winning. He's no longer the Dragon Openweight Champion, Dragon Gate, whatever the, the hell the championship is called. Dragon Gate Openweight, whatever the fuck. Um, he's no longer holding that championship. I think the biggest... Um, point of argument or whatever between AEW and Pac was the fact that he didn't want to lose, didn't want to be pinned, because he didn't want to do damage to that championship that he was holding at that time. He takes it very seriously, apparently. I thought it was kind of stupid, but whatever. Um, He's no longer the champion. He can lose as he pleases, and if he refuses to lose here, then that's just fucking petty. So I don't think at that point it has anything to do with the championship. It just has more to do with Pac not wanting to lose. I do think he will lose here. Uh, fair and square to Omega. Should be a fucking awesome match. With Moxley, what do you do with Moxley and Omega? What do you do uh, with the feud? Well, first of all, what I, w- I was going to mention earlier before I forgot, Omega cut this fucking awesome promo on John Moxley, which might have benefited from the fact that Moxley is hurt and Omega can now use that as an excuse to say that Moxley is running away from him, he's trying to hide from him, he's scared of him. Um, it help- It helps build up the feud that much more. So I like the idea that Moxley was not able to compete on this show, and they're making people wait even longer to see that match. Um, honestly, what would I do? I just read a report this morning, I think from Dave Meltzer, that AEW is planning on doing another show in November. I think they might hold out until like December, if not January. Uh, November would make sense. It would be three months out from All Out. They could do pay-per-views you know, every three months, a lot like WWE with their big four pay-per-views, as long as it's not the same weekend as Survivor Series, which, again, I mean, I guess it's okay, just because AEW runs their pay-per-views on Saturdays and not on Sundays, um, which is kind of cool. It's different. You know, it's a lot like UFC. They hold their pay-per-views on, you know, late on Saturday nights, but still, um, I think AEW should probably, I don't think they will, they were far away from WrestleMania weekend this year, I don't think they would run the same venue, like the same city as WWE, that would just be fucking petty, I mean WWE, not to say they aren't petty, they are very petty in their own right, but if AEW really wants to differentiate themselves from WWE, they should really not be running, you know, the same cities, the same weekends, whatever, I don't think they are, 
Fight for the Fallen was different. Um, I know Fight for the Fallen was the same weekend as Extreme Rules. Um, I mean, AEW put that show on their calendar after WWE Extreme Rules was already announced. But hopefully that's not a regular thing. I don't really want to see AEW pay-per-views the same weekend as the WWE pay-per-views, even though they're not airing you know, head-to-head. It's not really that big of a deal. But still, I would really just have it go opposite weekends. Um, but still, I would do that match. I would do Moxley and Omega on the first show of AEW on TNT on October 2nd. I think that's a big draw. I mean, people will be tuning in anyway, but with NXT going to USA and there's a lot of buzz around this show, I think they would be smart to have the first match on that episode. And it doesn't have to end clean. They could do a DQ, but then again, I feel like they're not WWE-esque like that. They might have it end in a draw. That would be more like AEW. I feel like it would be really WWE of them to have their first match on their first show end in like a disqualification. I guess they could always have Moxley win and Omega, you know, get his win back down the road or whatever, but um, that's when I would do the match. I would do Moxley and Omega at the debut show on TNT. I just feel like it makes sense. As for this match, Kenny Omega versus Pac. Omega, I think, wins. I feel like he kind of has to win. I know this is also Pac's in-ring debut for AEW, but... Omega, after already losing to Jericho, and I know he won at Fighter Fest, he won at Fight for the Fallen, he won with the Elite, he beat Shima at Fight for the Fallen, that's great, but still, I feel like it just kind of makes more sense to have him win here, because on pay-per-view, because the other shows were not on pay-per-view, uh, Fight for the Fallen and Fighter Fest were kind of just glorified specials, they weren't really like big shows like this one is. Uh, Omega's already 0-1 after already losing to Chris Jericho back at Double or Nothing, so I would have him win here maintain the momentum, and he should probably go into that match with Moxley, a winner and not a loser. I just feel like it makes more sense, so I have Omega winning here. And then we get to what I think will be the main event. Now that Moxley can no longer compete, I feel like it only makes sense the main event of the show. For better or for worse, because in the ring, I'm not sure if it's going to be a great match or a bad match or a mediocre match. The Jericho-Omega match at Double or Nothing was very good. I wouldn't go so far as to say it was better than the Wrestle Kingdom match, not by a long shot. I thought it was Honestly, kind of dragged a little longer than it needed to. Probably because it was a standard singles match and not a notice qualification match like the New Japan match was. And that's where Jericho really shines nowadays. But uh, still, um, I was going to say, what was I going to say? Oh, that match with Omega at Double or Nothing was okay. It was it was pretty good, if not a great match. It wasn't like an amazing match. It was far from like the best match on the show, but it was, it was pretty good. Um, I had Jericho winning here. I think Jericho will become the inaugural AEW world champion, and here's why. He's a recognizable name. People know who he is. People will know who he is when they tune in to AEW on TNT in the fall. Now, I said this a while ago. I said this maybe back in May. I don't necessarily agree with the idea of putting the championship on Jericho from the get-go just because it's their first ever champion. It should mean something. It should be someone of their own, like an Adam Page. But I feel like it's too soon. It's too soon for Adam Page. He's been winning left and right in recent months. He won the twenty-one casino, uh, the twenty-one man casino battle royale back at Double or Nothing. He won the Fatal Four Way at Fighter Fest. He beat Kip Sabian at Fight for the Fallen. He's been winning left and right in recent months, so it wouldn't exactly damage him to lose here. It wouldn't hurt him to suffer a loss on this show, especially to a guy the caliber of Chris Jericho. Um, if he's made to look good in defeat and they leave the door open for a rematch, and I feel like Paige will inevitably become a world champion. The guy is that good. Um, I just don't think now is that time. I feel like they should build around, for right now anyway, a guy that people know. 
Yes, he is an ex-WWE guy, and I don't really like that per se, but Jericho's doing the best work of his career in a long time right now with the whole heel shtick um, in this feud with Paige, in his feud with Omega, feuding with a few, a few other people in AEW and social media. He's doing awesome work right now, and it makes sense to put the championship on him and build up other baby faces to uh, take that championship from him at some point down the road. AEW feel very traditional with their approach to a lot of things, so I don't feel like they would hot shot an Adam Page title win. I mean, they very well might just because he is one of their own. He is one of the original members of the Elite. Maybe not the original member, but he was one of the, the core group of guys that left Ring of Honor for AEW, a guy they are bound to build around at some point in the near future. But still, I feel like he's not quite there yet. We need to see more development from Adam Page before he becomes the world champion, which is why I have Chris Jericho winning this match and becoming the first ever AEW world champion. And that does it, guys, for my predictions for AEW All Out on Saturday in Chicago. Should be a great show. I am super psyched for this pay-per-view. Should be should be awesome if Double or Nothing, Fight for the Fallen, and Fight uh, Fighter Fest were any indication. All Out should be just as good, if not better. Like I said, uh, this card is stacked. Hopefully it doesn't run too long. Um, I know they're in Chicago. They're uh, about an hour behind. But, uh, I mean, I was at the Las Vegas show, and they started, I think... When was the pre-show? At 6? That's 9 p.m. Hopefully, I mean, I don't think they're going on that late. Um, That was 9 p.m. Eastern time. I was at that show. I won't be at All Out. So I don't know. There it probably starts at, what, 6.30? And then 7.30 here um, on East Coast time? I'm not exactly sure. But what I'm trying to say here is that I hope it doesn't run long. It should be a great show, but know when to kind of stop. Know your limit and not go like past the four-hour mark. I know it should be a big show, but... Save that for like the big, big, big shows like WrestleMania. Not to say All Out isn't big, but I think they would benefit from keeping the show on the shorter side and not going all out, pun intended there, um, with their time length, with the length of the show. I feel like they would, you know, they would be better off keeping it at around three, three and a half hours max. Three hours would just kind of make sense. If they give each match enough time, it's probably going to be around four hours, but it is what it is, I suppose. That's just something they have to work on. Because uh, they won't have that luxury when they arrive on TNT. They're going to have a set time limit for two hours when they go to TNT. It won't be, you know, oh, we can go over or we can go under if we want like we have on Bleach Report Live now. They have to go the full two hours, like it or not. And I feel like they'll do a fine job of that. But for the pay-per-views, I think they would benefit from being a little shorter than they have been recently. So with all that being said, from there, let's move into my reviews of Raw and SmackDown real quick before we close out this episode of my predictions and preview of NXT UK TakeOver Cardiff also on Saturday, but they're not going head-to-head. For those unaware, I, I saw some people saying, oh, you know, TakeOver has no buzz, which is true, in that I think it's because it's running opposite of All Out, which is not true. Yes, it is running the same day as All Out. That was definitely, absolutely a WWE call. Um, I think they announced the TakeOver show for after, after Double or Nothing. Because Double or Nothing, they announced that All Out would be Labor Day weekend. The UK TakeOver was announced, I want to say, in June. So, if not early June, I don't remember exactly when, but it was soon after Double or Nothing. And they did that because of either All Out or because of the New Japan show. One or the other, if not both. Which is just fucking dumb. Just pick your own weekend. And WWE are the kings of being petty when it comes to this type of stuff. But I do think that um, it's not really that big of a deal when it comes to UK TakeOver because it's airing at 2.30 Eastern Time. Because they're going off of London Time, whatever. 
It's 8 o'clock over there when the show starts. Over here on the East Coast, it's 3 p.m. I honestly like that. I do like getting the shows out of the way early uh, in the afternoon. I loved when the NXT takeover from London, not the UK takeover from earlier this year. I'm talking the one from like 2015, December 2015. I loved that that started at like 2 or 3 in the afternoon on a Wednesday. I thought that was awesome, and I really enjoyed myself watching it that night. Um... You just kind of get it out of the way unless you're working or you're busy. There's really no reason to not watch the show live. So I like the fact that this is airing early on on Saturday. We just kind of get it out of the way before um, All Out later that night. And I'm not watching the New Japan show. I don't really watch much New Japan anyway, aside from like Wrestle Kingdom sometimes and some of the other big shows. Um, but yeah, I mean, that I don't know when that's airing. It might be in the morning because I know they're going by Japanese time. I don't know when that is. I don't know the math there, but anyway... Um, we'll talk about UK TakeOver at the end of this episode. As far as Raw and SmackDown from this week, I thought they were once again pretty solid shows. Um, they've been on the ascent in the last month or so, I would say. I don't know if it has a lot to do with Paul Heyman because we've seen some, you know, lackluster Raws and SmackDowns in the last month and a half too. So I don't know if it's all them. And the shows are still reportedly being ripped up right before they go live. So again, I don't know how much of an influence... Uh, Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff are ultimately having on these shows, but I don't really care who's writing the show, how quickly it was ripped up before they went live. I really don't give a shit. As long as it's a good show, that's really all I care about. And I thought Raw was a pretty good show this week. Maybe not as strong as last week, but still good. SmackDown was not as good as Raw, but SmackDown was still solid in its own right. We kicked off Raw with Sasha Banks and Natalya brawling. I like this. Um, Sasha's promo was probably not as strong as it could have been. It felt a little forced, a little scripted. Um, maybe she's doing that so she doesn't get cheered. I don't know. The same way that she was cheered when she was cutting heel promos in NXT. I, I'm not exactly sure. But this was a good segment all around. Natalia, I really have no interest in her whatsoever as a potential rival for Banks. But as a one-and-done type deal with uh, Banks beating her a little later on in the night, this worked well to set up that match. And Banks beat her in decisive fashion within a few minutes. So... I thought this was perfect for what it was. Got Banks over as a uh, dominant heel, so it was successful in that respect. Ricochet took on Drew McIntyre in a King of the Ring first-round match. This was awesome. This might have marked the first time these two have ever gone one-on-one. Definitely in WWE, maybe just in general, unless they went one-on-one in Drew McIntyre's time away from WWE a few years ago. I'm not sure. Um, But this was great. I really enjoyed this match. I thought Ricochet had a great showing here, as did Drew. Um, and I was shocked by the outcome, Ricochet ultimately going over in clean fashion to advance in the 2019 King of the Ring tournament. A lot of people thought Drew was, you know, advancing. I said so myself. I think, I would say maybe 80% of people, you know, watching the show, 80% of fans thought McIntyre would win just because he was a heavy favorite to win. And even if he didn't go all the way, which I didn't think he was going all the way anyway, um, I figured he would at least get to the semifinals, if not the quarterfinals, but not even that. He got beat in the first round by Ricochet, which is pretty cool. Um, I don't know if Ricochet is being set up for a rematch with AJ Styles at the next pay-per-view. I thought so at one point. I'm not exactly sure anymore because they have done nothing to hype that up in the last two weeks or so. Um, but yeah, Ricochet advances to the next round after a great match, and I just don't know what this means for Drew. Maybe you turn him face and you have him turn on Shane. I'm glad he hasn't been appearing alongside Shane recently. That's kind of been relegated to Elias. Um, Drew is better off doing his own thing. But yeah, what do you do with Drew McIntyre? That's my question. What do you do with Drew McIntyre now that he has lost the King of the Ring tournament in the first round, no less? Do you turn him face? Does he go after the United States Championship? What do you do with Drew McIntyre is my question for all of you. 
In the next match, in the King of the Ring first round tournament, whatever, the King of the Ring tournament first round match, Baron Corbin took on The Miz, and what I thought was honestly a pretty good match, I enjoyed this for what it was, um, I really had no interest in seeing either guy go all the way to the finals, but Corbin just makes sense, because they've had a lot of baby faces go over so far, and Cedric, and then Ricochet, so I feel like Corbin kind of had to win here. Miz has just been booked to look like a complete fucking loser for the last, I would say, I don't know, a few months now, in the last, God, I don't know, five or six months ever since he lost to Shane McMahon at WrestleMania. They gotta, you know, they gotta rebound with the Miz. I know he's going for the Intercontinental Championship of Clash of Champions for whatever the fuck that's worth. Even though the championship means nothing, Nakamura right now means nothing, the Miz means nothing, so... Again, I don't really know what that's worth, but it's something, I guess. He lost here, gets a title match at the next pay-per-view, so good for him, I suppose. Whereas with Corbin, even if he was to go all the way and become the king of the ring, does he get a title shot? I don't I don't think so. Not as far as we know right now. But yeah, this was a good match. I enjoyed it. They had good chemistry. Corbin hitting the end of days out of nowhere I thought was really cool. I thought it was an innovative finish. They worked well together. And uh, we'll see what uh, Corbin and Cedric Alexander can do in the next round of the King of the Ring. And I think Ricochet will go on now to face Samoa Joe to rekindle that rivalry from a few months ago over the United States Championship. Uh, SmackDown Women's Champion Bailey was on the show. She beat Nikki Cross in non-title action. Really nothing much to say about this. I don't know where Alexa Bliss was. I know she was posting pictures on social media this week about her getting new tattoos. Maybe that's what she was doing. I don't know, but she was not on the show. Nikki Cross lost clean to Bailey. We then had a tag team turmoil match to determine the new number one contenders to the Raw tag team titles since automatic rematches are a thing of the past, which is good. I'm glad they are, but they should have never taken the titles off the OC in the first place last week. And I mean, I guess they should have had to earn another shot at the straps, but they didn't even last until the end here. They came in, they came in like third or fourth and then... With the Viking Raiders, they just went to a double DQ. It was just, it was a weak finish, very weak. It was handled very poorly. Though I'm glad both teams were protected in defeat, and they weren't pinned or submitted. Whatever Viking Raiders have been undefeated since arriving on the main roster, they were even undefeated in NXT. I don't think they were ever beaten over there either. Um, so anyway, uh, I thought that was a little weird, and the OC are already out of the Raw Tag and title picture. Maybe they win the belts back on the Raw after Clash of Champions. I'm not sure, but... Either way, Rollins and Strowman should not be long for those tag team titles. The division is already on thin ice. And for anyone saying, oh, you know, like, there's a lot of tag teams in this matchup, and, you know, the tag team division is really deep right now. Well, first of all, this wasn't just Raw. This was Raw and SmackDown. And a lot of these teams meant nothing. Uh, The B team are fucking losers. They mean nothing. The Viking Raiders, they're just not over. Um, they're doing well for themselves, they're undefeated, but the people just don't care, because we've been given zero reason to care about these guys, aside from the fact they beat local athletes all the time. The OC are on their way back up, but they just lost the tag team titles after a month, so what does that really say about them? The Lucha House Party, I like them on 205 Live, but they're fucking losers on Raw. The Revival I like a lot, and they're in the process of being built back up on SmackDown. They're likely facing the New Day for the SmackDown Tag Team Champions, uh, for the SmackDown, SmackDown, excuse me, SmackDown Tag Team Championship. There we go, a clash of champions. Um, But they lost here. Ryder and Hawkins are losers, and Heavy Machinery are good, but they lost here too. And then we have Bobby Roode and Dolph Ziggler, who are a fucking makeshift tag team. That annoys me so much. Now, that's not to say they don't have good chemistry. I like the chemistry they have. 
you know, if they teamed a year ago, I would be fine with it. But Rude was already doing the tag team thing with Chad Gable. He's already done the tag team thing enough times. The guy's getting older. Use this guy while you can as a single star. I guess Vince just doesn't see the appeal in Bobby Roode as a single star. He must have liked what he saw with him and as, as a beer money guy. In that case, just fucking bring in James Storm. If you want to bring in, if you want to do beer money, then just bring in James Storm for God's sakes. Don't fucking drag this out with Dolph Ziggler, who I could get two shits about. And Dolph, same exact thing. We've seen him in a number of tag teams over the years. With Jack Swagger years ago, he teamed with, just recently, fucking Drew McIntyre. A year ago, and they won the Raw Tag Team titles for about a month or two. So, again, when it comes to Dolph, we've already seen this with him. Both Dolph and Bobby have held the Raw Tag Team titles in the last year with different partners. Which means that they are the king of makeshift, uh, makeshift tag teams. They should not win the titles in the next pay-per-view. I like Bobby Roode being on TV, but I guess be careful what you wish for. Because him and Ziggler as a makeshift tag team doesn't do a lot for me. And by the way, where the fuck is AOP? Where the fuck have AOP been? And it's not like, oh, one of them's hurt. The other guy's been cleared now. I think Akam has been, you know, healthy since a year ago. I feel like Rizar was the one who got hurt. He's been cleared to compete reportedly since May. And not even reportedly, we know that for a fact because we saw him in the Saudi uh, Saudi Arabia Battle Royal, the 51-man Battle Royal at Super Showdown in June. They were in that Battle Royal. They got tossed out by, not Titus, but like they got tossed out maybe by the Viking Raiders, by, I don't know, some loser person or tag team, whatever. They got chucked pretty early on. And we have not seen these guys since. Now, they were, I believe, in a backstage segment with someone they were seen walking backstage, I want to say, on an episode of SmackDown a few months ago. Maybe right after Super Showdown. But beyond that, they have not been on Raw or SmackDown at all. And it's not like, oh, there's no room for them. Like, there's, you know, there's enough tag teams on Raw and SmackDown without AOP. But there's really not. Like, we need more tag teams. AOP is, you know, they had momentum before they got hurt. They were the Raw Tag Team Champions. One of them got hurt. Drake Maverick's been doing his own thing ever since, you know, the the second member got hurt. And he's been doing the 205 thing, 205 Live thing, and the 24-7 championship thing. So, Akam has been doing nothing. He was teaming with other partners. He might have been on the Royal Rumble kickoff show teaming with, like, fucking Bobby Roode or someone like that, some random-ass tag team partner. Maybe, I don't know, was that maybe, like, Dash Wilder or something like that? It was really fucking random, but, uh... Yeah, so that happened, and I don't think we've seen him on an episode of Raw or SmackDown since, so bring these guys back on Raw, bring them into SmackDown. The tag team division could really need them, could really use them right now. Not saying put the tag team titles on them, but like a Viking Raiders feud. There you go. The Viking Raiders need rivals. AOP needs television time. Why not just book the Viking Raiders against AOP? I know they're two heel tag teams. Maybe you turn the Viking Raiders back face, which is what they were before they got brought over to Raw. Um, that would just make the most sense. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there really is no excuse for them not using AOP. It's really amazing how they've been on the roster now all year and have been cleared to compete for over three months, and we have seen nothing from them on Raw or SmackDown. Yeah, the occasional Battle Royal, but who gives a shit? It's mostly, you know, not even main event. I haven't even seen them on main event in recent months. I haven't seen them at all. So I don't know if they're on the skids with the company or what's going on there, but it's it's just not a good situation because they should have been on TV months ago. Uh, Sasha Banks faced Natalia, like I said earlier, beat her within a matter of minutes. Cedric Alexander, who I mentioned earlier, is facing Baron Corbin on next week's show in the uh, quarterfinals of the King of the Ring tournament, beat Cesaro on this show. 
Uh, good match. The crowd didn't really care, but whatever. I thought it was a well-wrestled outing. Speaking of Cesaro, not only does he have his braces off finally after two years of wearing them because of the injury he suffered in that No Mercy match two years ago against Ambrose and Rollins, so he was fi- he is finally braces free. And as someone who had braces many years ago, I could tell you it's an amazing feeling. No matter how long you had them for, it's an amazing feeling to no longer have braces. But anyway, um, Cesaro not only no longer has braces, but he will also be at NXT UK TakeOver Cardiff on Saturday. His role, his participation in the show, his involvement in the show is yet to be confirmed. I mean, he said he would be there, but we don't know if he's wrestling, if he's doing something else. We really have no clue. Um, But I would love to see him get physical. He did tease getting physical on that show. We'll see what they have in mind for him. But uh, still, that should be cool. It would be awesome to see a Kings of Wrestling reunion. I'm not banking on it, but Cesaro and Cash Asona reuniting, if only for one night, would be awesome. And I think we're getting... It may not be on the actual show, but I think we're getting Cassius Ono versus Gentleman Jack Galler either next week on NXT UK, um, which would be taped before TakeOver on Saturday, or maybe in two weeks, I don't know. But maybe they do the match there, and then Cesaro helps them win, and they reunite in the NXT UK tag team division. Holy shit, how awesome would that be? Cassius Ono isn't really doing much right now. Cesaro's not really doing much right now, so I don't see why not. I feel like it wouldn't hurt. Um, AJ Styles successfully defended his United States Championship against Braun Strowman in the main event of Monday's show, albeit by disqualification, but he did the old Eddie Guerrero trick where he pretended to get hit by a chair by Braun, even though he didn't. The referee, to my understanding, has always got to see it before he can make an official call. He only heard the chair, you know, hit the mat or hit somebody's head, whatever. Um, he didn't necessarily see, um, you know, he didn't see Styles get hit in the head with the chair. He only heard it. And as far as I know, he has to see it in order for the call to be official. But you know, in typical WWE fashion, they got to make the they got to make the rules up as they go along here. So I can't seem surprised. But AJ did retain his title by disqualification, and then Braun proceeded to lay out all three members of the OC, which I wasn't super happy with. But they got to build up Braun as a legitimate threat to the Universal Championship, as it was officially announced that at the Clash of Champions pay per view, in addition to Rollins and Braun doing double duty on that show as the Raw Tag Team Champions. They will be facing off one-on-one for the Universal Championship as well. So, uh, yeah, that was Raw on Monday night. Rollins was not on the show. Becky Lynch was not on the show. They were engaged to be married on Saturday, or Thursday, rather, of last week. Rollins proposed to Becky, so congrats to the happy couple. Super cool. Finn Balor also got married, I believe, on Friday, which is probably why he took time off after SummerSlam. That was the whole reason behind the uh, reported absence. It wasn't because, oh, I hate my creative direction, which I'm sure played a factor in it just because his creative direction has sucked in recent months, really in the last couple of years. But um, yeah, he took time off, I believe, to get married on Friday, and that's awesome. So uh, congrats to both couples. And now we get to the NXT UK TakeOver, or before we get to the NXT UK TakeOver Cardiff predictions, real quick on the SmackDown front from Tuesday, Kofi Kingston and Orton brawled backstage after Orton kind of targeted Kofi's family, and then Kofi went backstage to beat up on Orton. They brawled backstage. It was a good segment, a nice way to further the feud, but I feel like it's eerily similar to the AJ Styles and Samoa Joe feud from SummerSlam, you know, the fall of 2018, which was great, but to see it done so soon after that, I mean, it wasn't like the following month, but it's been still a year, still fresh in the minds of many fans. To see it done so soon after, to me, feels lazy. Um, It's a good feud, and I'm glad they're having a rematch at the Clash of Champions pay-per-view for the WWE Championship. Hopefully, it kind of erases the... Uh, bad taste that they left in people's mouths coming out of SummerSlam after that very underwhelming encounter. 
But still, their way of getting there with the whole family thing kind of feels just cliche in my opinion. We then had another King of the Ring first round match, uh, first round action in the 2019 King of the Ring tournament between Buddy Murphy and Ali, kind of rekindling their rivalry from their 205 Live days a year ago. Um, as expected, excellent match, my favorite match in the entire show, without a doubt. Uh, great match here. These two work really well together, have terrific chemistry. In the end, it was Ali winning in clean fashion to advance to the next round, something I did not see coming, especially after Buddy Murphy beat Daniel Bryan in last week's show, only to lose to Ali on this show. Now, granted, it's not completely illogical just because Ali has proven that he can also beat Daniel Bryan. He did so in a tag team match earlier this year. So it's not like, oh, if Buddy can beat Daniel, then can Ali beat Daniel? Yeah, we've seen that before. So he can definitely, he is capable of beating Daniel Bryan. But anyway, um, that was a bit mind-boggling. I like Ali. I mean, it was really, it's not a bad call. It's not like it's Elias advancing like he did last week over Kevin Owens. But um, Buddy Murphy losing in the first round after having that momentum coming off the win over um, Daniel Bryan last week in the great performance against Roman Reigns two weeks ago is questionable to say the least. So we'll see where they go with him and if he does anything and if they can follow up on these awesome on these awesome performances and whatever because he's now three for three in terms of good matches on SmackDown in recent weeks. But where will WWE go from him? Go with him from here. Will he continue to remain relevant? Will he go back to being an afterthought on the show and never appear? Who knows? But they would be idiotic to not do anything with this guy coming. Did not do anything with this guy coming off these stellar series of matches he's had in recent weeks with Roman, Daniel Bryan, and Ali. Uh, Nakamura and Sami Zayn laid waste to the Miz to set up the Intercontinental Championship match at Clash of Champions between Miz and Nakamura. What Miz did to earn himself an IC title match at the pay-per-view, I really have no idea. But I guess it's fitting because Miz is irrelevant right now. That championship's irrelevant. Like I said last week, I like the Nakamura-Sami Zayn pairing. So hopefully it works. Um, Hopefully the match is good at Clash of Champions, but I just see no reason to care about the match because we've been given zero reason to care about the match up to this point. Um, Bailey was also in action on Tuesday, beating Lacey Evans in a match that really was not that good. Bailey did win the non-title match, thankfully, to uh, kind of further build up her match with Charlotte Flair at Clash of Champions. But Bailey even said, she even said in a backstage video on .com after SmackDown on Tuesday that she's tired of facing Raw women. She is tired of facing Raw women. She is ready to face women from the SmackDown locker room. And yeah, she faced Ember Moon at SummerSlam, and she faced, or she will be facing Charlotte Flair at Clash of Champions. But what about the, you know, Sonya Deville's of the world, and the Mandy Roses, and the Oscars, and the Kyrie Sains, and Liv Morgan's even? Bailey's like, I would love to have a match with Liv Morgan, but Liv Morgan said, oh, uh, uh, the next time I come back, it's about to get real, and then we never saw her again. So I have no idea what the fuck is going on with that. Anyway, Randy Orton took on SmackDown Tag Team Champion Big E. Good match. Big E dominated the majority of the match. I love the aggression he showed here. And if this was any small indication of what we might be seeing from Big E on his own down the road when New Day inevitably breaks up or goes their separate ways or whatever, then I'm optimistic because this guy is really good. He's got great intensity. And uh, he can go. And I think the fact that he was able to hang with Orton here, not win, or should he have because Orton's going for the championship at Clash of Champions, uh, I think it's a really good sign regarding his future on his own when that day um, eventually comes. We had Kevin Owens attack the 24-7 champion Elias before Elias got pinned by Drake Maverick, who is now, I think, a four- or five-time 24-7 champion. Um, the 24-7 championship, by the way, did change hands multiple times at the Fox, not the upfront, but like some sort of 
Fox event um, TV thing over the weekend where um, Elias lost the belt to R-Truth, who then lost the championship to some Fox Sports host, who then lost the belt back to Elias. So um, the championship is back in the hands of Drake Maverick coming off of Tuesday's SmackDown. More King of the Ring first-round action with Chad Gable beating Shelton Benjamin. Good match while it lasted, but just way too short. This was way too short to really be anything of note. The crowd could not have given two shits, and I, I don't blame them because Gable's never on SmackDown. Benjamin has not been on SmackDown even longer. Uh, the last time I saw Benjamin on SmackDown might have been like six months ago. So uh, good to see them both. Good match, but I'm not shocked the crowd sat on their hands for this one. And then we were told that Roman Reigns had to apologize. Oh, fucking more apologies on WWE TV. We were told that Roman had to apologize to Daniel Bryan after he falsely accused Daniel Bryan and Rowan of attacking Roman Reigns. We were then shown footage of Rowan absolutely being on the scene and attacking Roman. Okay, so I don't know where this footage was three or four weeks ago. We're only seeing it now, for whatever reason. I thought he was supposed to be driving the forklift. I guess not. Um, Daniel Bryan denies to have anything to do with this. He beats up on Rowan, and obviously Bryan does have something to do with it. It obviously is Daniel Bryan behind all of this. He attacks Roman, he goes down to ringside to confront Roman, only to eat a spear in the middle of the ring. So that's how he went off the air on Tuesday. And SmackDown, again, a solid show overall. And then to close out WrestleRant Radio here, real quickly, my predictions for NXT UK TakeOver Cardiff on Saturday should be a fun show. Um, I believe they announced Piper Niven versus Rhea Ripley on, not the pre-show, but like the pre-TakeOver TV tapings like they do for the normal NXT TakeOvers. That'll happen on NXT UK TV next week, taping before TakeOver on Saturday. And like I said earlier during my Raw review, it might be, if I'm not mistaken, Jack Gallagher, Gentleman Jack Gallagher versus Cassius Ono after what they talked about on NXT UK this week with Gallagher challenging Cassius Ono to a rematch. And hopefully that's where we see the Kings of Wrestling reunite. Uh, Fingers crossed, because this crowd would lose it if they did, I feel like. Um, so on this show, we have Travis Banks versus Noam Dar. No real reason behind the match. Um, Banks was without a match in the show. He had to miss the last takeover, so they put him on this one. Noam Dar's been on a roll recently after going heel again a few months ago. Um, this should be a good match. I think Banks wins here. Dar is great, um, but I feel like he's not... I feel like he's a lot like Jordan Devlin, but just not as good. Noam Dar is really good, but I feel like Banks... He just keeps coming up short. He lost to Walter for the WWE United Kingdom Championship a, f- uh, a few months ago. He lost to Jordan Devlin on NXT UK TV after the last takeover because the match couldn't happen on the actual takeover. The guy needs a win. I feel like he will win here. Noam Dark can absorb the lo- he can absorb the loss. It's really not that big of a deal. Um, Dave Mastiff facing Joe Coffey in a last man standing match. The, la- the, the uh, last Dave Mastiff match on this show on takeover versus Eddie Dennis. At TakeOver, um, what was it, uh, Blackpool back in January was awesome. This should be even better because their first match was really, really good. And uh, considering their last match ended in a double countout, it makes sense to book a last man standing match between the two for this show. Um, and Joe Coffey had a great match with Pete Dunne at the last TakeOver, so I know he can go too. Although I'm not as big as fan, he is pretty good. Um, but yeah, this should be great. Dave Mastiff, I believe, is still undefeated in NXT UK. I would not have that end here. I know he wouldn't have to be pinned. So he could technically lose without being pinned, but I would keep his undefeated streak alive and build to a Dave Mastiff-Walter match uh, down the road with Mastiff winning here. Bomber Dave Mastiff, that is. Uh, for the NXT UK Tag Team Championship Triple Threat Tag Team Title Action, with the Grizzled Young Veterans 
Zach Gibson and James Drake defending against Mark Andrews and Flash Morgan Webster, and the duo of Mark Coffey and Wolfgang, collectively known as Gallus. This should be really fun. Gibson and Drake have been champions now since January, and they've already beaten Mustache Mountain a few times. I thought Mustache Mountain would eventually, you know, beat them for the belts, but apparently not because they're not on the show as a tag team. Trent Seven is nowhere to be seen on the show. Neither is Pete Dunne, surprisingly enough. Um, but I guess they could lose it here. I really don't have any interest in Gallus becoming tag team champions. I guess they could, but I feel like Andrews and Webster are the better team. I'm going to say... I'm going to say we get new tag team champions because, spoiler alert, I don't see the other two championships changing hands on this show. I see... Yeah, I don't see the other two titles changing hands. So I'll say we have a championship change hands here in the tag team titles with um, Andrews and Webster becoming the new NXT UK, UK tag team champions. And then maybe you can build to uh, Kings of Wrestling beating Andrews and Morgan for the web, uh, Morgan and Webster, uh, Morgan and Andrews, uh, Webster and Andrews for the um, tag team titles, King of the Rest, Kings of Wrestling. I'm all over the place today. I could see Kings of Wrestling beating Andrews and Webster for those tag team titles at some point in the not so distant future if they do build to a Kings of Wrestling reunion. But um, again, that, that's what I would do. So I'll go off on, a, off on a limb here and say that Andrews and Webster become the new NXT UK Tag Team Champions. For the NXT UK Women's Championship, we have Tony Storm defending against Kylie Ray. This should be a great match. I love the video package that they've put together for both women on NXT UK in recent weeks. Um, I think Tony Storm wins here. I know she's beaten all of her opposition. She's beaten Rhea Ripley a few times. She's beaten Nina Samuels. She's beaten... Who was the other woman she beat? Uh, not Isla Dawn. She beat someone else a while ago. Uh, Ginny on an episode of NXT UK a few months ago, like right after WrestleMania. So she's beaten all the opposition for the most part. They could always build to her versus Jazzy Gabbert versus Zia uh, Brookside. Do a rematch with Kaylee Ray. If there was really any woman to take the title from Tony, I think it would be Kaylee Ray. I think they'll keep the championship on Tony though. Um, that's just my prediction. And then we get to the main event for the WWE United Kingdom Championship. Walter defending against Tyler Bate. Uh, this should be a great match. First time ever in NXT UK. Walter and the rest of Imperium have already beaten and taken out Pete Dunne. Trent Seven. So Tyler Bate is the last founding father of NXT UK to be beaten by Walter. And I think he is going to get beat here. There's no real reason to get the belt back on Bate for... I mean, Walter's still undefeated. He's dominant. Why, you know, jeopardize that by having him... Um, lose the championship here to a former champion at that. So I would keep the championship on Walter. Should be a great match. I'm very surprised that Pete Dunne is nowhere to be seen on this card. I said months ago I would have loved to have seen Pete Dunne and Nigel McGuinness as his farewell match from NXT UK. Just because, you know, um, you know, uh, Pete Dunne is on his way to NXT proper full-time apparently. And Nigel, I think he can still go if he was training anyway. I don't think he is training, but... Um, you know, Nigel would have been, this would have been a great time to have him go back in the ring for one more match, because he can. It's just because WWE doesn't really want to have him wrestle, but he is medically cleared, I suppose. Even though he hasn't wrestled in many, many years, it would have been cool to see him wrestle on the show against Pete Dunne. He's not. Whatever. Um, but yeah, we'll see if uh, Pete Dunne pops up. I could see him showing up in the crowd, making a special appearance. I don't know if we see anyone else show up in the crowd. Um, anyone else who has uh, been rumored to be NXT UK bound, I think is already there. Like, Isla, Dragunov, and Kaylee Ray, and everyone else, Jazzy Gabbard, they've all debuted and either are on this show or 
have already debuted in NXT UK, so we'll see if anyone debuts in the crowd on Saturday. And that's going to do it, guys, for me at WrestleRant Radio. Graham Gius and Matthews breaking down the entire week in wrestling from WWE to AEW, NXT UK, Raw SmackDown, and everything else in between. Thank you guys for checking out the show as always. Uh, we'll be back next week with my review of AEW All Out for our Labor Day week edition of WrestleRant Radio. And, um, yeah, find me on the socials on Twitter, at WrestleRant. Find me on Facebook as well, at Facebook.com backslash Graham.GSM.Matthews. Find me on YouTube for the 300th episode of Hashtag AskGSM and so much more at YouTube.com backslash C backslash GrahamGSMMatthews. And uh, as for WrestleRant Radio, check out all new episodes every single Thursday, not only on NextDayWrestling.net, but also on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, we're on Podbean, we're on Google Play, we're all over the place, baby. So subscribe today, get every new episode as they're uploaded on Thursdays. Until next time, guys, have an awesome rest of your weekend. Enjoy All Out on Saturday and any of the wrestling shows you choose to tune into. I'm Graham Gia Matthews, and I'll catch your ass down the road. Do yourself, do yourself, okay.